are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? My name is Matt Pollard, and you are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio here at LastWordOnSports.com. It is Monday, June 19th, 2023. Happy Juneteenth. Uh, fantastic new um, holiday and day historically that we have to celebrate here in America from the last couple of years. And I hope you've taken a moment to educate yourselves on slavery and the Emancipation Proclamation and how that was ultimately distributed throughout these United States of America. Uh, joining me now to talk about and close a and close the door on the 2022, 2023, excuse me, Nations League. Uh, Ed Revento. Ed, how are we doing? Good, good. Um, sad the Nations League is over, but Happy with the result. Yes, absolutely. So let's get into it. I guess, first of all, Ed, do we want to say anything about uh, Mexico's 1-0 win over Panama and ultimately Diego Coca going out technically 1-1 as his L3 managerial career goes? Yeah, just a crazy weekend for Mexico, something that I think we've never seen before, really, at least in our lifetimes. Um, Kind of the mess that they're in uh no one in the stadium was just jarring to see uh for mexico and yeah just i'm not surprised by the sacking but it it you know it's it's just still a weird feeling the kind of disarray that they're in right now i may be i'm surprised in the sense that i'd, I'd be curious said to go back I'm, I'm sure someone will fact check this amongst the l tree media at this point has anybody ever had just two games where it wasn't on an interim basis and that kind of a thing and was there you know were there explicit expectations for coca coming into this game that he had to you know win it or bust because we were talking about this after the uh loss to the united states in the semifinal, where the rumbling was well okay he'd be given the gold cup and it's win the gold cup or bust and so where I'm surprised, Ed, or maybe in a weird way, maybe I'm 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 surprised, but I shouldn't be at the actions of both USSF and the higher up at uh, the Federacion um, for Mexico is the fact that nothing about what's happened recently in the past or indications of how they should be conducting themselves has actually changed any of their behavior. You would think that Mexico coming out of the World Cup that they had you know, where they were from a player pool standpoint the uh, first team, or I should say Eltree's senior team relationship with uh, Liga Mexis that you know that change would be needed, or at the very least, like, ha- do something different that indicates, like, a level of competency and a level of patience in the time that you had. And firing a coach after two years, uh, after two games, says to me either you got that completely wrong or you're just the same reactionary, um, you know, uh, rambling insanity that they are as well and we'll see we'll see who the new manager is for um you know the preliminary roster which has already been determined uh for the gold cup goes i know ed do we know if you change coaches between the preliminary roster for a competition being announced and then a new head coach comes in can they change the roster or does potentially that new incoming head coach is he beholden to the roster that uh coca had and then maybe that um you know, that limits what he wants to do in terms of his vision, if his roster would have been any different. But um, times are not well right now for um, 
the Mexican national team and it is to the United States men's national team's benefit. So with that, Ed, let's get on to what I would argue was a fairly, there were nervy moments at times, but there were very few stretches in this game where I felt like Canada was the better team. I, I said this to a friend who was, who's soccer adjacent, who I got, who I convinced to watch the competition Ed, I said that, Christian Pulisic was the best player on the pitch in the semifinal against Mexico. And I would say even with the injury and only playing um, the first 45, that Gio Reyna was the best player in this final against Mexico. Ed, overall big picture thoughts and how you thought the U.S. stacked up against the Canucks. Yeah, I agree. I think Gio was just incredible to watch. Uh, This was just a not necessarily a coming out party, but it was like everything that we thought he could be kind of put into one game. Um, playing up the middle, he was deadly on the ball, assisted both goals, one on a set piece and one in the run of play. So yeah, he was tremendous. And I thought, yeah, the first half was more of the same, like from the Mexico came to this one, it was kind of just dominance Second half, when Gio came off, it was a little worse. I I, I did notice a drop-off in play when Gio uh, had to miss the second half. But overall, still, like you said, um, only a hand. I can only think of maybe not even a handful of chances where I was like, oh, Canada might get back in this game. So there was maybe, uh, I think it'd be instructive to go through the lineup, Ed, because there was maybe one slight surprise that we had given the predictions that we made with the two red cards as well. So in goal, it was Matt Turner again. Uh, you had a back four of Jedi Robinson, Chris Richards, Walker Zimmerman, and Joe Scally. Uh, funny, I've been seeing actually now, Ed, on some resources that are actually, even though he's Anthony Robinson, putting the first initial as J. So maybe that's catching on as well with the nicknames and everything. So Jedi Robinson as opposed to Anthony Robinson. In any case, in the double pivot, it was Brendan Aronson and Eunice Musso. We both thought it was going to be Luca De La Torre, but it was Brendan Aronson. And then uh, unchanged in terms of the front four, Pulisic on the left, Tim Way on the right, Gio Reyna up the middle, and then Florian Balogun getting his first goal for the Yanks playing up top at striker. Um, I thought Brandon Aronson was his usual lively self. Uh, this is maybe a fun little experiment, Ed, in that I can't remember the last game. I can't remember the last time the U.S. went to competitive games without having it be MMA in the midfield. Um, and so uh, this it was kind of interesting to see just the how McKenney and Musa were able to make it work, even though there were moments of discomfort or where clearly Tyler Adams was lacking that we both said after the semifinal, there was no point where we're like, oh, my God, this team desperately needed Tyler Adams. They were able to adjust and the team was able to adjust around them. And I felt like the fact that this game was a little bit more frantic than the Mexico game in terms of it being a bit of a basketball match that suited Musa, who's generally used to being more on the front foot, and Aronson, who obviously is a crazy person when it comes to pressing, suited them well. Your thoughts on Aronson's performance? And then, uh, Ed, let's pivot into Joe Scally doing a number on Fonzie Davies. Yeah, I think Aronson and Scally kind of go hand in hand for me, at least in the first half. Aronson, I, I tweeted it out. It seemed to me like Aronson's instructions were just to annoy Alfonso Davies. At least in the first half, he was always the first one up to him, kind of getting in his face. Joe Scally, though, did a great job as well. Uh, there were a lot of moments where he had to be the one, and he held his own. He was caught playing a little high a couple times, but even still got back. Um, so I thought they they made the right call. I was shocked it wasn't Delatore, but Aronson proved me wrong, and Scally also stepped in really well for a, what is he, 20, 20-year-old? 20 so... Yeah, it was. I was pleased. 
would be really nice, Ed. Whatever it was that happened to where B.J. Callahan was just on the money in terms of his personnel selections. If he could, like, if Greg could keep him around on staff to maybe, you know, plant a couple seeds, like when Coach Beard tries to inception Ted Lasso, maybe that's something would be nice given uh, Burhalter's propensity for um, his personnel decisions. But I, I completely agree with you. You know, I wrote in my preview uh, <clears throat> for this game, Ed, that so much of it just hinged on what version of Alfonso Davies we saw, whether or not Davies was going to start and how many minutes he was going to play and then what Joe Scali did against him. I think we'd all agree, even the biggest Canadian men's national team homer, uh, that Alfonso Davies was not himself. Uh, you know, he had, a, you know, there were a couple of times where Canada got into really good positions and then a heavy touch made it an easy turnover for a defender at the back for the United States. Or I remember a couple of balls that he played, um, you know, out of out of play for himself that, you know, he was certainly visibly frustrated on, but I thought, you know, a lot of bending, but really no breaking both from Aronson and what he did defensively against Alfonso Davies and certainly Joe Scali coming up against him. And, and even got to the point where uh, Canada was actually switching who was on the wings between him and I think it was Larea on the other side as well. And Jedi Robinson up to it as well from a physical task as well. So um, whether that was some pre-scouting or that was just simply some level of intensity, as Berhalter liked to say, that intensity and focus got this team so far on so many moments where they had difficult tasks ahead of them. They absolutely handled that. And similarly, I thought the center backs bent a lot at times but didn't really break other than that one double chance that Kyle Laren had up top I thought he overall had a, a relatively quiet night this was a game of I think both teams doing a good job at times of getting into dangerous areas but then the U.S. executed to create dangerous opportunities on goal Canada less so and when it came to finishing obviously the United States was superior on that winning two to nil let's talk about the the goals Ed you mentioned finally a set piece goal as you know Clint Dempsey was so happy to say that uh, at halftime on the Paramount Plus stream, um, you know, it was Chris Richards in the 12th minute set up by Gio Reyna and you saw what it meant for him. He had an absolutely Chris Richards had a fantastic two games, given what 2022 could have been for him from a national team standpoint. We'll see if this elevates his stature in that center back competition. And then it was 22 minutes later in the 34th minute on a nice little transition play with Gio Reyna combining in the midfield and then fantastic work from. Florian Balligan did all the things in one move, Ed, that we've seen a Jesus Ferreira, a Ricardo Pepe, a Jordan Pifak do in moments, do one of those three things, but none of them do those things well over the course of one game. Let it go one play in terms of holding up his run, creating separation and getting around the opposing center back doing so in a way where there's an obvious ball to be played by the person who has the ball to put it in an area where he has time and then just the one-time finish. Absolutely fantastic. This is why the U.S. wanted him. This is what I saw in his highlight reels from him playing in France. Many more of these, please. Yeah, I thought um, in all three of these players involved in this goal, Gio, or in both goals, Gio, Richards, and Balogun, I think, have all, at least in my eyes, locked in their spots in the 11 if, if they weren't already locked in i know there's discourse about the mma midfield being a better option than having geo play as a 10 but i think he proved not just yesterday but the whole weekend that he is a locked in starter and he should be playing in the midfield whether greg will do that or not only time will tell um chris richards as well it, it was really unfortunate that he wasn't able to go to the world cup and i think he's stepped in this weekend and proved why he should be a locked-in starter, not only with the goal, a great header, but also just defensively he was solid as a rock. And then 
Balogun, yeah, like you said, this was everything we wanted him to be, that performance yesterday, and to see him put one in the back of the net was just an awesome, awesome thing to see, and I think U.S. fans should have a lot of reason to be excited about him. I'll agree with you, Ed, that between what we know about him from a club standpoint and what he did in just, you know, two games with the United States, that Balogun right now obviously should be called in and the presumptive starter for the national team. I think there's enough situations where if it's familiarity with the certain center back partner in CONCACAF, you could make an argument for Pepe. But where I'll maybe not disagree with you, I I think we've seen enough from all of the midfielders that aren't. Musa McKenney or Adams to where they have a place on that team Brendan Aronson very quickly fit into the first guy off the bench in the midfield for the World Cup we know what Luca De La Torre can be he's clearly not as good as any of those four midfielders but he has his uses and we saw in this game Brendan Aronson has his uses as well I think Burhalter ultimately now has a menu of guys to choose from where I think certainly going into the World Cup you know that MMA was the best combination and then Aronson was the first guy to pivot to and then it was okay a few other guys being situationally relevant I think now the midfield core is at a group where even if we're certain what the general starters should be as well there's enough options to where if Burhalter wants to tinker or god forbid change his tactics occasionally that you now have the skill set to do that and I would say the same thing about that for the center back role between the differences between what um what Chris Richards brings the very clear articulated argument and the rightful argument for having Cameron Carter Vickers start that one game in the group stage as well Tim Ream will still have his uses I think certainly for the next year TBD I don't know if a 41 year old Tim Ream can or should be making this World Cup squad but I, I would not put it past him I'm not questioning you Tim Ream if you are listening to us right now that that is in the realm of possibility and I still think Walker Zimmerman has a role so so I, I agree at towards the end of one thing that um, that Jurgen Klinsmann did a really poor job of going into 2014 is not having a set starting center back pair that were comfortable with each other and very familiar with the patterns of play and what they wanted to do. That was something that I think more so injury and well, I'll say injury for Miles Robinson and then the whatever happened between him and John Brooks that we're not going to find out for 10 years until Brooks writes an autobiography happened between him. But the point is now in terms of center backs who are healthy in the squad that don't have active vendettas out for triple team right now, there's enough of them and there's variability within them to where now Greg has options and can choose certain things that'll work. I still think he should sort out who those should be long term. There's plenty of time Chris Rich- for Chris Richards to become a starter in the EPL before the summer of 2026. There's plenty of time for Cameron Carter Vickers to be absolutely fantastic in Scotland or get a move to a more reputable league domestically that is playing in European competition regularly I think where Chris Richards was on the outside looking in in terms of that conversation he now very much has uh he's seat number one at that proverbial blackjack table which I think is fantastic to see and I would put both I put him I put Richards I would put um I put Walker Zimmerman who's the other one from this group who I'm uh misremembering who played as well Miles Robinson. Miles Robinson, thank you. I would say all of them are ahead of Austin Trusty right now. Does Austin Trusty go on somewhere on loan this coming European season that's not in the championship that elevates himself as well? Does he become the third or the fourth center back um, in for Mikel Arteta at Arsenal? He could be in that conversation as well. But I think this is massive for Chris Richards. And if this puts him into a much better headspace to go in with fresh eyes and a fresh mind for Crystal Palace and try to become a relevant player in the Premier League as well, I'm all for it. And that would put that would put the 
club pedigree of him as a player as the number one center back going into 2026 right now. Um, we talked about the goals. I'll just I'll run through the uh, summary of the substitutes we had to see if there is any um, individual performances that you wanted to highlight there, Ed. So we have firstly in the 46th minute, you had uh, LDLT coming in for Gio Reyna. We mentioned that as well. Johnny Cardozo in uh, in the 68th for Brendan Aronson. Pepe in for Balogun, not surprised there. Uh, Austin Trusty into the 79th for Joe Scali. As I think it went to a back three, Ed. Correct me if you disagree. And I think that was the last substitution. Um, Ed, Ed, we already saw a little bit of Ricardo Pepe, El Train scoring against Mexico. Any of the other substitutes that you wanted to talk about, particularly De La Torre playing the second 45? Yeah, I thought it was a not an off game necessarily for De La Torre, but he didn't really do anything that blew me away. But that's also not necessarily the type of player that he is. Um, I just really enjoy watching him play. So even when he's not at the top of his game, he's always really like, calm and composed. And I, I just enjoy watching him play a lot. It was nice to see Johnny get some minutes, maybe as kind of like a Gold Cup tryout. If he's, I think he's on the preliminary roster. I'm not 100% certain, but I think so. Um, so it's good to see him get in there. And then, yeah, Trusty as well. An, another guy who, like you said, just adds to the depth that this team has. He can look at a Trusty, a Zimmerman, Robinson, Richards, Carter Vickers. There's Mark McKenzie, who's playing at Gank, I believe. So it's like we, we haven't had this type of conversation before where it's like it's always been an 11 guys and then some backups who are good enough, whereas now it's like, the backups are always good enough to be starting. And then even the backups to the backups might be good enough to be starting as well. So this is it's champagne problems that the U.S. has right now, especially in like the midfield um, with Delatore and Johnny. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed seeing those guys get minutes. Unless I'm having a dyslexic moment or there is a typo ad on U.S. Soccer's webpage for the Gold Cup roster, I'm not seeing Johnny Cardozo. I am seeing Alan Serrano at um, midfielder. And then who is the other one? Um, and then Alex Zendejas is listed as a forward for them as well. So maybe maybe him getting an appearance as opposed to one of the other two was Callahan deciding, OK, like you should have an opportunity to play and then get some game film as well. But to your point, Ed, I'll agree with you. Luca De La Torre is that kind of player where when you don't notice him, unless you're specifically looking for him, you don't necessarily see that. I also think it was really it's the first real professional performance we've seen against a comparable opponent where the U.S. was playing the game state and just kind of controlled the game out as well. You know, there's a little bit of a push with, you know, uh, by the 70th minute from Canada as well. So there were a couple of close calls. Matt Turner had to make a couple saves. Obviously, there was that Kyle Lair in the double chance with the second one he puts over the bar off the rebound that I mentioned as well on that. But other than that, there was never a point where I was like, oh, crap, Canada was going to score. And so I thought De La Torre was kind of the perfect player to come in for that, just kind of see out the result and control the game and control the game state, given that you're up 2-0. I can't remember the... I don't remember the win over Mexico being that comfortable. I don't remember some of those games against Costa Rica being that comfortable. But to see, you know, at a full 
45, I guess 50, 56, if we're talking about from the time the second goal is scored, to really see it out against the other really big power that's functional right now in CONCACAF. And to watch a kind of boring second half where the U.S. just kind of, you know, slowly strangled the game away and there wasn't, and there was never any danger, there was never any doubt in the result once the second goal went in, was just kind of a nice change of pace from what we've seen as well, where, you know, just that Iran game was just, you know, puckered buttholes the entire way, Ed, and even uh, the World Cup quality qualifying games as well that were not, you know, uh, that were against, you know, Mexico or Canada or Costa Rica. I remember being, you know, really um, being really nervy or feeling nervous about that. At no point was I nervous about that and good on the players for making that so and them controlling the play, even though Gio Reyna couldn't be on there to get his goal to make it tres a cero against the Canadians. Um, Anything else that we want to say about the Nations League yet or shall we close the book on that and briefly touch on the Gold Cup? Uh, No, I think I'm good. All right, so let's look into it. I'll I'll read out the list as well. Um, I'll put the the um I'll put the link to it in the show notes for those of you who want to see it as well. Sean Johnson, Gaga Slomina, and Matt Turner will be again uh, at goalkeeper for the United States. Um, this is a this is an MLS heavy, and this is a are they available and are they completely burnt out from the club season roster? So as we'll get to in a minute, there's a lot of fringe guys in here and a lot of guys who Ed and I uh, are not expecting to be in, uh, in the team in 2026. Dwan Jones from the New England Revolution, who's having a good season. Aaron Long from LAFC. Matt Miazga from a rejuvenated FC Cincinnati. Jalen Neal, who made his debut for the U.S. under Anthony Hudson a couple months ago. He's with the LA Galaxy. And Brian Reynolds from Roma, Miles Robinson from Atlanta United, John Tolkien of New York Red Bulls, and there's some rumblings about uh, where he might be headed this summer. And then DeAndre Edlin from Inter Messi um, in goal, excuse me, in midfield. Um, we have John Luca Busio from Venezia, Jordi Mihailovic coming over, having a kind of disappointing half year with Azit Akmar, Aiden Morris from Columbus Crew, uh, Christian Roldan from Seattle Sounders, James Sands from NYCFC, and the aforementioned Alan. Sonoro uh, from FC Juarez. And then up top at Ford, we have Cade Cowell of the San Jose Earthquakes, Jesus Ferreira, who might have been the one snub at Ford for this camp, Julian Gressel from the Vancouver Whitecaps, Jordan Morris from Seattle, Brandon Vasquez, and Alex Zendejas. Um, Ed, it's a lot of MLS guys. It's a lot of guys who, if one of them really impresses me and does really good stuff, I could see them being a bench guy for the World Cup. Um, and then it's a lot of guys who didn't really have good seasons in Europe, who maybe just like Chris Richards, I look at Jordi Mihailovic thinking, let me have a good gold cup and then go in uh, in a better position to try and start uh, in the Eredivisie. Um, Ed, how are we feeling with the roster? Where are expectations for the U.S. for the gold cup? Um, the roster is interesting because there's only like a handful of players I can say I'm really like excited to see what they do. Uh, most of these guys, I kind of already they think I know what they are. Like we know who Ferreira is. We know who Jordan Morris is type thing. Uh, Georgie Mihailovic is one I'm really looking forward to see play. He was supposed to be in a roster right before the World Cup last year, but he got hurt and had to miss, which was really because he was playing really well at that point. And he would have been a shout for the World Cup roster. Cade uh, Cowell is a guy who's impressed me uh, with the u20 roster at the u20 world cup and then obviously the the uh, kind of anointed self t- uh, next tim howard gaga slonina um i would if 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 we get to the point where we've locked up the group stage i would like to see him get like maybe a start in the last group stage game that would be interesting but this might just be a you know see how camp goes get you know get some training in with the team and then maybe he's more of a future play especially with matt turner there but as far as expectations go, 
I don't have a ton of expectations for this roster, which I think might be a good thing. Um, I still think they should be getting out of the group, should be winning at least one or two. Is it what? Does it go straight to the quarterfinals, I think, in the Gold Cup? Yes, it does. It'll go to uh, quarterfinals. Then I can't remember. I think they changed something around in terms of the the best third for how they make up the group as well. But um, I would say if you told me right now, Ed, that they make it to a semifinal and run into Mexico or Canada and then lose a close game like that, that's fine with me. I think if this group were to win it, I think it would be an accomplishment. I agree completely. Um, I, I don't know if you saw, but Jamaica brought essentially their A team. So right now, on paper, I think Jamaica should be winning this tournament, which is, the, funny enough, the U.S.'s first group stage game. So that is going to be a test right off the jump, I think, on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if this team ended up making the final and maybe not winning it, but getting to the final for sure I think is possible. But, yeah, I'm thinking right now a semifinals appearance is nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, I am really curious to see from a personnel standpoint, Ed, you know, we mentioned, you know, to your point, there's a lot of guys on here who we already know what they are, either at the club level or the international level. Um, I know you you don't watch a whole lot of MLS, Ed. Duan Jones is a fantastic outside back for the New England Revolution. I think, like, his ceiling in terms of where he'd be going to Europe is not particularly that high. Like, he he's at his level in terms of he's at a very good MLS team that is competing for trophies and everything. And if he were to go to a European opportunity, it's not going to start in the Bundesliga. It's not anything like that. Is that the kind of player who four or five of those roster spots will be useful to have come the World Cup in 26? I would say yes. That being said, I would say there's like 15 of those guys that are competing for this right now. Like we already know, you know, I mean, could would Gaga Slomina be comfortable being a third string goalkeeper in this or would Sean Johnson who's starting regularly for Toronto in 2026 be a better option like those are the questions that I'm kind of bouncing around in my head the other one that I'm kind of curious about Ed is to see who parlays this into a better opportunity for them this summer there's a few guys on here who we've listed who are having good seasons in MLS who already have some scuttlebutt around them for transfer opportunities and do they play well enough to where that gets something over the line we saw this in the Gold Cup in 2021, where there was already European interest in Sam Vines, and then it got pretty identified. I think in the middle of the group stage was the first time a serious European outlet reported that uh, Royal Antwerp were interested in him. And then by the time, I think he had a really good performance against um, Jamaica or Costa Rica, or it might have been the Qatar game, actually, now that I think about it, if that was in the Gold Cup, where that, what I heard, had sealed it from uh, Royal Antwerp and then they were just waiting for him to not get hurt in the final before actually signing everything on the dotted line so I look at a uh, John Tolkien who's gotten some interest um, you know and is part of the Red Bull Network um, does he play well enough to where scouts that are curious about him are then very serious about him uh, since by the time this tournament will have kicked off the European window is going to be open so in theory these guys are scouting guys that are available almost immediately in terms of trying to negotiate with their clubs as well <clears throat> maybe a Jalen Neal for the LA Galaxy though he's a little bit raw, but certainly Jordy Mihailovic has to be looking at this as the, this is how I get started for my preseason and then be absolutely fantastic for Azed this season. Aiden Morris, I would put in that similar category to a John Tolkien. And to your point, Ed, I have to imagine there's a couple youth scouts who were somewhat familiar with Kate Cowell, who are now very aware of him coming out of the U20 World Cup. And then uh, with what he's done with the San Jose Earthquakes and some of the interest around him, does he play well and does this move him over the line as well? And then similarly with all of the 
uh, comings and goings at the striker position for FC Cincinnati. Brandon Vasquez, who kind of wanted his move back last summer where the timing wasn't really didn't really work for the club. And he figured, oh, I, if I'm playing regularly enough, that gets me into uh, into contention for the uh, for the World Cup squad that ended up not working out for him. Does he see this as the this is how I move into a European opportunity to then be seen at the same level or where there's some comp for Greg Berhalter to consider me, even though I have been an MLS guy competing against a Ricardo Pepe, uh, a Flo Balakin as well. I have to imagine I have to imagine Brandon Vasquez, given the season that he's had and given the season Cincinnati's had, he's looking at this as an opportunity for him to be in the shop window. I'd say the same thing of Kate Cowell. Maybe Jesus Ferrer, though he's happy at FC Dallas. And, um, you know, if he wants to be, again, if he wants to be the third or the fourth striker, um, you know, for the U.S. national team scoring goals for FC Dallas, and that's at his level, that's fine. Um, but certainly, um, what was the other one? Oh, and then John Tolkien as well. Um, Ed, Ed g- give me, uh, I've listed off a bunch of guys as well. G- give me one guy in there you think is potentially playing for a, a big money move. Um, I I think um, a guy like Brian Reynolds is another one who um, hasn't gotten a ton of minutes at Roma, but when he has and when he's played for the U.S., he's shown some flashes and he's still pretty young. Um, and I think another one is Busio. Um he struggled with Venezia, but he's still very young, and I still think the talent is there. And I think if if he plays well at this Gold Cup, uh, he could potentially get a move maybe out of, what are they, in Serie B still, I think. Uh, maybe to the championship, something like that. Maybe um, Bundesliga, maybe. Um, and then potentially move up the ranks with, an, I mean, an already crowded midfield, but if he keeps playing well and gets a club move and starts and continues to play well, it's it's like I said, it's always nice to have these uh, champagne problems in the midfield. Mm-hmm. And I do think for for Busio, it's interesting. And so just to give you a fact check, you are correct. Uh, they finished eighth out of 20 in Serie B. I'm going to assume that's not good enough to make whatever uh, playoff promotion they have in anything. So they'll be in the second division in Italy, which isn't terrible for Busio if he's playing regularly. But, you know, I remember he came over during a period um, when it was in the midst of COVID. And I think Sporting Kansas City with where they were got him for a price that they liked that was also maybe a bargain buy in terms of his potential. And does he show something in the Gold Cup to where, again, he gets another opportunity? So I, I think that's another good shout. I think there's a number of guys that um, have to be looking at this competition as this as they're in the shop window, both for Greg Berhalter and both for improving their club situation should they want that to be improved. Um, Maybe the one kind of subcategory for the roster that we haven't really talked about were, as we mentioned last pod, Ed, were the guys who were on the fringes of the Nations League squad that are now getting an opportunity. Um, Alan Soronio, Alan, Alan Sonyora, Sonyora and Alex Sendejas. What are we looking at for them in this competition? Yeah, the, this is a, this is also big for them. Uh, those are guys who have been in the roster before. They've been in the A-team roster before, and Zendejas has gotten playing time, and he scored a goal, I believe, in one of the friendlies that they played recently. Uh, so this is another prove-it tournament. Uh, those are guys that I expect to see a good amount of minutes, and if they seize the opportunity of those minutes, they could potentially become more locked-in A-team guys. You know, maybe not starters, maybe not coming off the bench every game, but you know, their spot being there, that this is the chance to kind of lock that in and prove to Greg that they belong. 
Last thing that we have, Ed, I'm not sure. I know in the past there was an option to change out some of the roster between the group stage and the knockout stage. Do we know if that's in effect for this iteration of the competition? I don't know. Um, Let's look that up, why don't we? Another, just speaking on behalf of the club, like getting a better club situation, another guy that I would like to see go for a move would be Matt Turner. Um, At this stage in his career, I I don't know how I feel about him being a backup for Arsenal. So he was great in the Nations League. um, And another good Gold Cup performance could propel him to, I think he could start somewhere in the Prem, somewhere like down the table a little bit. Um, I'm sure. Well, we don't know about Ethan Horvath's future, um, Ed. So maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Matt Turner would fatten, you know, if it would uh, wouldn't mind a, a move to the the very north of London, and <laughs> two hours north of London to to go to Luton Town and everything. Um, uh, it's probably that. That's probably. I'd be willing to bet right now, Ed, that it's actually an easier drive for wherever Matt Turner lives right now to getting to Kenilworth Road to play a game at Luton Town than whatever his drive was like than if he had lived in Boston trying to get down to Gillette in Foxborough. I'd be willing to bet that right now. But uh, I'm not seeing any indication of that on the roster, so I don't know if that changes things at all. But um, to, since, you, since you mentioned the goalkeeper position as well, Ed, I don't think it will happen. I think it'll go – I think it'll be a back and forth between Sean Johnson and – Matt Turner for minutes in goal but if Gaga Salmina were to just get on the field just to like be able to reacquaint us with him and then maybe that gets him some game film that parlays into a good loan opportunity because we know he's not going to start for Chelsea um you know that'd be that'd be maybe another one as well but um really interesting one and kind of the I'd argue this is the first like really stress-free or expectations-free gold cup that we've had really in a while just because all the other ones for greg were either greg had to win something or really like trying to sort out the roster and everything we're so far out that like that you know that only one or two of the guys from this roster could really impress and we would see that as a useful exercise and coming off of winning the nation's league they don't really have to win anything either so i look forward to this stress-free watching of just the let's watch the gold cup don't obviously get eliminated out of the group stage. I feel pretty confident in saying that'll happen. And one or two guys impress me. And then honestly, I'm okay. I'm okay going into, um, you know, going into the next international break. But we've been going on for almost 40 minutes, Ed. And I said we were going to stop at 30 as well. So let's get out of here. Anything else you want to say or shall we get out? No, let's get out. Uh, listeners, I want to take an opportunity to thank our sponsors. First, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Uh, their signature AG1 performance is perfect for daily nutrition and gut health support. AG1 solves two of the most important health needs, nutrition that your body needs on a daily basis and building a foundation for long-term gut health. Together, AG1 uh, helps fuel your whole body for um, better sleep, digestion, energy, mood, immunity, and it can get you on the way to healthier skin, hair, and nails. Uh, Get started with AG1 at the link in the description below. I also want to thank Roughneck Scarves. They're an official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer merchandise. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And then also, while you're getting your nutrition and getting your scarves and socks and masks sorted out, uh, you can get a new custom kit from Icarus FC. Um, They 
will create the uh, unique and custom kit for of your dreams for your youth team, Sunday League squad, adult, or even pro team. And they'll do it at an affordable price. Their motto is literally any design you want seriously. Let them help design the next kit of your dreams today at IcarusFC.com. Listeners, follow us on all the socials at LastWordSC. Uh, search us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search LWS Radio. You'll find us and a bunch of other great content. Since we potted now, probably no MLS talk this week, but look for us in the next week or two as we get into the MLS secondary transfer window, get into the meat of the schedule, and then obviously the upcoming Leagues Cup, Women's World Cup, and the aforementioned Gold Cup. We will talk to you then.